Welcome to the Educational Physics Podcast. I am your host, João Figueiredo. This is Season 3 of the Educational Physics Podcast. I hope to speak about many issues. I hope to speak to guests about many issues. And I hope that we together can discuss the future of education in an honest and open way. Please consider subscribing, liking, sharing and commenting. Your feedback and support is much appreciated. Thank you for listening. Welcome to another episode of the Educational Physics Podcast. As I mentioned last week, today we start a new series of episodes on learner-centered education. I'm going to try to tackle this from many different angles, and the reason, again, why I want to do that is because I want to make sure that we leave no stones unturned and we cover all the different reasons as to why learner-centered education, in my opinion, is the best model for education. It prioritizes the student. It makes the process of teaching and learning much more interactive and, and, and more on, on an even playing field sort of perspective. And it allows students to approach learning and, and their challenges and difficulties the way that makes sense to them rather than the way that makes sense for the system. And it allows teachers to really approach education from a perspective of uh, facilitation of, of, of the process rather than just delivering information uh, without much attention to, well, nuance for, for one and individual needs and individual idiosyncrasies that students have. Today's episode will be all about the evolutionary angle as to why I believe that learner-centered education is indeed the most suitable model for today's education. From an evolutionary perspective, we can uh, take a look at a couple of different ideas. So for one, humans are clearly wired to seek survival, danger avoidance, and comfort. Now that means a lot, and it might be something that we would say in passage and be like, uh, humans are wired for survival. What exactly does that mean in, in, in specific terms and examples? And how does that apply to A, today's reality, where we, most of us, are not really pursuing survival at a very conscious level anyway, unlike our ancestors when they actually had to fight for survival on a daily basis. We do that, but we have adapted how we frame survival. And how does this uh, angle of um, students and teachers sharing that humanity, how do we transfer the need for survival and comfort and danger avoidance, how does that cross over to education? 
But this need that we have for survival explains why we have changed our landscapes and our environment so much. We have mostly um, changed our ways of living and being in order to become more comfortable. We have houses, we have cars, we have airplanes. Everything is about streamlining our lives and making humans as a species more uh, comfortable. Fulfillment, that's an optional one. And that matters, right? Because some people say that we are trying to make our lives more fulfilling. Perhaps that, that is the goal, inherently speaking. But is it that that we are achieving? Is it fulfillment or is it just comfort? And then individually, we position ourselves differently depending on our upbringing, education, our personality traits, our genetics. I do believe that we are seeking comfort, not necessarily fulfillment. Fulfillment would be a byproduct that comes only to a f to few people. But the reality is that we do do adapt the environment. Lions don't do that, right? Lions don't create... Um, changes in their environment to make it easier for them to hunt. They've been hunting the same way for thousands of years, right? So what is it about humans that make, makes us so wired for adaptation and change? We are indeed the apex predator, but we're not the strongest and we're definitely not the fastest. The only thing that humans can do better than other animals is apparently we are the animal on the planet who can run for the longest. I'm not sure how that uh, helps if you're running away from um, an animal that's much faster than you unless you're making those animals run away from you instead of towards you. And again, this, this links to our ability to adapt because once we've understood, and we will get into the how we understood that, but once we've understood that we don't run the fastest and we are not the strongest, so we have to make these animals run away from us so we can chase after them. And then indeed we can beat them at that game because we can run for the longest. Then we understood, okay, we need to have some sort of deterrent, something that makes them want to run away. And, and so fire became a, an interesting tool for that, as we all know. And obviously weapons, we started creating weapons with rocks and, 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 and sticks. And so, this shows, once again, that we are very capable of learning. But it is the exposure to the environment that is teaching us. There is no one necessarily transferring that knowledge down to us. We're, we are just, at this point in, in, in our evolutionary journey, we're just experimenting. And hey, we're seeing lots of us die because we make the wrong decision. And that is why it is important that we have a certain level of fear and a, a neurochemical response to stress because there are evolutionary reasons as to why we, we should feel those things. Because we know 
Even if we don't know that we know, we know that our ancestors fell off cliffs and didn't come back. Uh, we know that our ancestors uh, ignored the, you know, the noise behind the bushes and it was a lion. We know these things. And so we, we've grown uh, aware that we have to be uh, uh, capable of adapting. But again, with those principles in mind, we're seeking comfort, danger avoidance, and ultimately survival. There has to be an evolutionary reason then as to why we are so learning friendly. We are clearly way more wired to learning and adapting and, and applying the knowledge that we acquire, um, not only as, um, as individuals, but as a, as a species. We seem to, to be very inclined to, trans, to, to pass the information down generations. And that is a form of teaching, evidently. But it is a learner-centered approach to teaching. Because we do, and by doing we show, and by showing we teach. But we do, in the first place. And of course, all the animals are capable of learning. But dogs, for example, even when exposed to the human language for several years... They don't necessarily pick up on it. They can understand some words, which are mostly just repetitive commands that um, we expose them to, mostly also by showing them what the word means. So often, if you want to teach a dog to sit and to respond to the sit command, you, you don't just sit over and over again. You make the dog sit, right? So it's much more... It's much more... Um, forceful in a way because you can't just show by example humans however learn by example right we don't have to manhandle a child to sit in order for them to learn what the word sit means and indeed you know a dog again can can be exposed to human language for 10 plus years and they won't be able to recognize more than a few words and they will definitely not be able to replicate the words at least not even intentionally, you know, you're going to always find that YouTube video of a dog that's barking human words. Uh, okay, uh, but it's not intentional, is it? And so humans, on the other hand, only takes us two years to become pretty fluent at our mother tongue. We can be bilingual and think in multiple languages even. It's quite interesting to see how that process occurs right and once again merely by exposure right i i'm portuguese so my mother tongue is portuguese and i wasn't taught portuguese per se was i i was just exposed to it everyone would be talking to me in portuguese and i started to pick up on the words what makes us wired to pick up on the words right why why don't dogs do that and why do humans understand it? There's a need here for me to understand what's being said. Once again, it is, it is a need to seek comfort and, and safety in this case, right? Um, which leads to comfort, evidently. But we understand as children that I can't go on much longer without understanding what's being said around me and what's being said, asked of me using this language that they are using. 
because we've understood as a species that it, it is not about manhandling our, our kids and okay, go here, go there and sort of ignore those linguistic patterns. No, right? We, we know we are supposed to teach children to speak uh, by just speaking to them. And once again, that's a learner-centered approach. So we already do that. But then we don't do that with other things such as maths or um, geography and history. We don't take that same approach of just using exposure. And yes, surely some fields we will have to package the content a little differently. Okay? Humans do seem more wired to understand language. I think we all use language uh, rather than, um, I don't know, geometry, right? Some of us don't really have that sort of knack to understand things straight away when it comes to specific fields. And that's fine. There are ways to work around that. And once again, learner-centered education does prepare students or, or even teachers also in this case, but the whole community. It prepares us to, to or, and equips us with tools that uh, allow to overcome that quote-unquote lack of initial skill, which is questionable, but we won't get into that today. Um, so then we have to ask ourselves another question. How do we learn the best then? What is the best way to learn? And this question is much more complex because humans do seem to differ amongst themselves in terms of how they learn, like I just said. Some people are more inclined to learn numbers, others are more inclined to learn languages. But if we are also unique, and maybe not as unique as we would like to think at a larger scale, as a, as a, at a species scale, maybe we are not as peculiar. But at the microscopic level of the individual, we are definitely very unique. I don't learn the same way you learn. And you don't learn the same way your mom and dad learned, even though you're related. And that's a beautiful thing. And as educators, then we need to assess, okay, how does this work then? How do we make this work? How should one approach learning and teaching at a large scale? The argument is that there are multiple factors that influence your learning. Your landscape, your environment, your culture, your uh, social connections, your family, etc., etc. The exposure that you get to certain ideas or lack of exposure. Evolutionarily, it seems clear that we are all wired for learning and adapting. It seems to be pretty uh, clear that that's the case. We wouldn't have made it otherwise as a species, right? Again, we're not the strongest, we're not the fastest. We are clearly some of the smartest, at least at this level of adaptation and what would we call this? Environmental changing skills, okay? We are clearly very advanced when it comes to that. Dogs are not changing their environments, not at the level that we do. Lions are not changing their environments, not at the level that we do. Even like very intelligent creatures such as dolphins and, and crows and, and octopi, they're not changing their environment. They're very capable of solving problems. That seems to be the case. 
but they can't seem to find ways to avoid that same problem in the future. Humans are really good at this. We are capable of solving this problem today, and then we are capable of creating tools so we don't have to face that same problem again. And that's very relevant. And we ought to think as to why we do that. Humans are also designed for collaborative work. Again, we understand our limitations and we join forces. It's been the case since pretty much day one, as we understood once again, we have to hunt uh, in groups, in packs. We have to. Again, not the fastest, not the strongest. So we have to leverage all the skills, our communication skills, our collaboration skills. And so the way we learn has become more and more like groupthink, right? We adopt these ideas at a societal level and we see that every day. Just read the news, right? Everyone seems to think one of two ways, but that's not really real, is it? And we all know this. And, and the way we are educating people is affecting the way people think. The figure of a teacher only becomes more relevant as we needed to, we needed that wise sage to guide the masses. And there pretty much lies the start of academia, right? We wouldn't need a teacher if everyone could learn individually, but if everyone could and can learn individually, we would lose the collaborative element. We need to share something, right? Like a certain common thread. And so the teacher, the person who has done it before and now is capable of showing it, possibly in a, in a tribal culture, this is the older person. Why? Because that person is no longer capable of doing it. So it is now capable of showing it, teaching it. And so the younger generations can go out and do it more safely. Right? The older person is the person who didn't make the same mistakes of the people who passed. Right? Those are not, no longer uh, around. Evidently, the older person was somehow wiser, either, either because they've adapted more quickly or because they've avoided danger more efficiently. Either way, they made it. And so now the next generations have this ability to make it because they are learning from their past generation's mistakes. And this is a crucial element of, of, of learning, right? With this, though, it is not clear that uh, we have done a great job at adapting to individual needs. We have adopted this group mentality, which works. However, we have lost the, the, the idiosyncrasy of human nature. Unfortunately, the sheer amount of humans who need education makes the job of bespoke curriculums pretty much impossible. The evolution of education has a lot to do with our own evolutionary journey, right? We adapt and, and yet we lose something along the way. Evolution is always a process of push and pull. It's a tug of war. You improve on one hand and you lose somewhere else. And often what you lose is not necessarily a bad loss, but it is a loss nonetheless. Along the way, we might have lost things that we could have kept, 
should have kept. Maybe. It is questionable. Evolution seems to get it right most of, most of the time. But we are going through a process of uh, acquire, uh, acquiring skills and knowledge and, and losing uh, other skills and knowledge. And we, we know this just by speaking amongst each other. We, like The previous generation always seems to think that the next generation is less capable. Is that true, though? Historically speaking, evolutionarily speaking, that's evidently not true. Lives are getting easier. Isn't that the whole goal? Isn't that what we're trying to achieve here? But at what expense? What's the loss, right? At the end, we need to make a a sort of net calculation of loss and profit. At the same time, it is always clear, it's also clear, I should say, that uh, humans, like other animals, can very easily learn patterns and behaviors by exposure. We spoke about language already today. They see and then they do. If this is in alignment with our evolutionarily needs, danger avoidance and comfort seeking, humans learn very quickly. So the question is, how do we connect our evolutionary needs? To our current needs for success, financial fitness, uh, philosophical enlightenment, um, and academic fulfillment and success, etc., etc. How do we join those two ideas? Again, it's putting the person first, not the material. If we identify ourselves with the curriculum, it will make it a lot easier, for reasons that we've been discussing for the last 20 minutes, to, to really pursue that line of thinking. Because we will, it will resonate with us more. And here lies the whole principle of motivation, which I've talked a lot about in season two. Learner-centered education is a, is a fantastic model for education because it aligns itself with our genetic uniqueness, while simultaneously also putting the focus on our needs as a species. Progress, adaptation, collaborative thinking. But with the learner, as the leader of that process. So in my opinion, the evolutionary argument ends here. Learner-centered education is the model that makes the most uh, sense precisely because the learner comes first. There is no egg or chicken conundrum here. The learner came first. First came the experience, then came the learning, and only then came the teaching. And the attempt to compile all knowledge into some sort of curriculum um, it came, came obviously after, afterwards, right? And we are evolutionarily linked with our learning skills, not with our teaching skills, right? It's the learning process that allows us to carry ourselves as a species into the future. Teaching was an issue of logistical necessity. Learning is a genetic feature. And so here we are, right? Talking about learner-centered education from the evolutionary perspective. Humans are wired for learning. Humans are wired to adapt and recognize patterns. We are really good at that. At whatever cost sometimes. Net profit, net loss. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we often forget to analyze the outcome, but we are really good at identifying patterns. 
And so learner-centered education is merely to respect what we are already wired to do, which is to learn, which is to adapt, to understand concepts. We understand our landscapes. We understand the limitations of our landscapes, for example, in, in alignment with our need for survival and, and comfort-seeking and, and fulfillment at, as a byproduct. And so we ought to promote this model because it is much more human-like rather than a curriculum-centered education model, which is much more mechanical and industrial, if you will. And here I close the first video of this series. This is episode two of season three, but the first video and podcast on learner-centered education for different angles. Next week, I'm going to be covering the psychological aspects of learner-centered education, why our brains are and minds are wired to learn um, in a more unique way than what we seem to have tried to apply for the past 100 years at least. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please uh, comment, share, like, subscribe, the whole thing. I love you all. And take care. Bye-bye.